0: Got a Bible in front of you. And if you would turn back to that portion of scripture that we read just a few moments ago Cain and Abel, Genesis chapter 4. And we'll spend some time looking at this this morning, Cain and Abel, Genesis chapter 4. Okay, friends, this is a week for firstborn sons. This is a week for firstborn sons. There is uh, no doubting at all what the sort of main news story of the past few days has been. Is there? Um, There's been an arrival of a new young uh, royal baby boy. I came back from holiday in France this week and I, I thought the UK had kind of gone crazy for a while. Because I came back from France and what did I see? I saw a nation um, staring blankly at a little golden easel uh, sitting in the grounds of Buckingham Palace. I thought, "Well, everyone has, has gone crazy. But no, of course not. A boy had been born. This is a week for firstborn sons. And then on top of that, Why are we here this morning? Well, surely uh, part of the reason that we're gathered like this is to celebrate another firstborn son. We are here to celebrate and to witness the baptism of little Daniel MacDonald. It is surely a week for firstborn sons. And so, taking that into account, Given all that, surely we see the relevance of what we've just read together in Scripture, don't we? See, that chapter we read, it was a chapter that revolves around a central character. It was a chapter that revolves around this man called Cain. It was a chapter that revolves around Adam and Eve's firstborn son. And this morning what we're going to do for our time together is we're going to approach this chapter of scripture and we're going to look at it, we're going to divide it into its three sections. There's really three sections from chapter, sorry, from verse 1 to verse 16. And these sections will make up the three headings of this sermon. So three sections, three headings. And I'll give you those headings just now so you can follow me through this. We will look firstly at Cain's offering. We will then look at Cain's crime. And then we will look at Cain's punishment. So you're all with me? You're following me? Cain's offering. Then is crime, This murder. And then his punishment, the curse that the Lord God lays upon Cain. So enough of that. Let's get into this chapter. And let's look at the first point. Let's look at Cain's offering. So it's been a few weeks. As I said, I was in France on holiday. So it's been a few weeks since we as a congregation have been in Genesis. But even despite the fact that it's been a few weeks I'm sure you remember where we left things if you were here because to be honest we left things at the eh, most famous chapter of the whole Bible we left things in Genesis chapter 3 we left things with a picture of Adam and Eve having taken and eaten the fruit from that tree and having been excluded from Eden that's where we left things well that's fine what happens next? What happens in this chapter that we've got here in front of us? Well, have a look at it. You know, straight off the bat, what happens in the beginning of chapter 4? Eve gives birth, isn't she? She gives birth, first of all, to Cain, the firstborn, and then to Abel. Now, that's, that's fine. But really, before we get into the nitty gritty and the, 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 the deeper stuff, maybe, of this chapter. Please note the change in, oh, we see the change in attitude. Note the change in heart that's come over Eve. Okay? You see that in, 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 just in verse one. What does Eve say? She says this, she says, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. With the help of the Lord. Now, think about that. We just left it in chapter three. And in chapter three, here was a woman who was seeking all the attention for herself. You know, here was a woman who was seeking power. Here was a woman who was seeking glory for herself. And then we come in chapter four, and what do we see? We see something entirely different. Here's a woman. Here's a person who humbly acknowledges the hand of the Lord in blessing her with a child. She is an entirely different person. And let me say this to you. Surely, today, as we baptize Daniel, surely we have to follow Eve's words. We have to echo Eve's sentiment, don't we? We have to baptize Daniel acknowledging God acknowledging him and praising him for what he's done in blessing Ian and Yolandi, blessing us as a congregation with this new, young, and precious life. God is to be praised. He has to be praised this morning for Daniel. But anyway, as I said, in some ways, that is just an aside. Let's get to the main focus here. And it's these uh, two offerings. You picked up on it, didn't you, when we read through it? Both Cain and Abel, they come and worship before God. Both of them. And they lay before God, the fruit of their labours. But what happens? They both bring offerings. But only one offering is accepted. Abel's offering is accepted, isn't it? And Cain's offerings rejected. Now surely that raises a big question. That raises the question, the main question of the whole chapter. And it's the question, why? Why? Why did God see fit to accept one offering and reject another? Why did he accept Cain and his offering? Sorry, I'll do that time and time again, I promise you. Why did God accept Abel and his offering and reject Cain and his offering? Now, you might be a person this morning who's been brought up in the church. And you might have been a person who's heard this Cain and Abel story before and you've thought about it. And you might be a person who thinks, I know the answer to that question. There's an obvious answer to that question. Well, I'll tell you this from nothing. There are all manner of suggested reasons for why God rejected Cain and chose Abel. All manner of suggested reasons. For example, some learned godly scholars, they would say that God chose Abel because his offering, it was a blood offering. Blood. The crucial ingredient to atoning sacrifice all the way through the Bible. Abel presented an animal. Cain presented food. That's one suggestion. Another suggestion is that Abel being selected and Cain not is merely an example of Of the mystery, the mystery of divine election? Possibly. I think not. Now, I think if we look closely at verses 3 and 4, we see the answer for why God rejects Cain. Why does God reject Cain? Well, verse 3 says that, Well, what does it say? Cain brought before the Lord some of the fruits of the soil. So that's what Cain does, some of the fruits of the soil. But what about Abel? What does it say about Abel? It says, verse 4, you ready for it? Abel brought fat portions, fat portions from some of the firstborn of the flock. So are you with me? Do you you see the distinction that is being drawn in scripture between Cain and Abel? What did Abel do? Abel brought the very best to God. That's what Abel did. He brought the very best. You see, Abel brought the fat portions. Abel brought the choicest part. Of the choicest animal he brought the, the, the first fruits of the flock to God. Whereas, what did his brother do? What did his older brother Cain do? Well, Cain, he's a bit more, what would you say, a bit more nonchalant about it. He comes to God and he brings some, some of the fruit of his hand. Now, why was that? Why did Cain not do as his brother did? Well, I think this is, you know, this is the, the main point of this section, certainly the main point of our under our first heading. So please, folks, get this and take it away with you this morning. Cain did not give to God as he should. Because Cain did not love God as he should. Cain did not give to God as he should because he did not love God as he should. Now, do you see that? Do you? If not, I'd ask you to consider Abel. Consider Abel. Consider what he did. You know, he... Loved God. Abel showed devotion to God. The New Testament makes that clear. Because we read later on in scripture. We read in the book of Hebrews. That Abel gave this offering from, it says, a standpoint of faith. He loved God. He knew that his heart wasn't right. He knew that he was a sinner. He knew that he needed salvation from God. And because of that, what does he do? He loves God. So he gives everything to God. He gives the very best to God. But not Cain. Cain just gives outwardly, doesn't he? It's, it's not real. It's not from the heart. Cain's just a guy. He's a guy going through the motions. And regardless of who you are this morning, and regardless of where you are spiritually, you know, you might be here, you know, you might be here as a guy who professes faith, a man or a woman who's a professing Christian. That might be you. Or you might just be along here because there's a baptism. And you don't profess faith. Well, regardless of where you are, there are lessons here for each and every one of us. You see, if you are a Christian, are you? If you are a Christian, can I ask you, are you giving the very best of who you are and what you are to your God? Are you giving the very best? Are you following Abel's example? Because I think in some ways, you'll probably agree with this. That's what Ian and Yolandi are doing today, isn't it? They are giving the first fruits. They are giving the choicest thing they have. They are giving the best. And they are laying it before God. They are saying, God, here is Daniel. He is yours. Take him. Well, is that what we're all doing as believers? You know, are you giving the best of your time to God? Or are you keeping it back for yourself? Are you giving the best of your energies and your I don't know, your finances and your love to God? Is that what you're doing? Even more significant, significantly than that, though, what about you here who are not Christians, you know? Who are strangers to church? this is you, you've got up this morning there's been a bit of trepidation about coming in especially to a kind of intimidating building such as this and you're not used to it you don't profess faith in Christ what is the lesson here for you? well I, I don't know, I read this chapter and every time I read it I kind of, you know I'm startled by something and it's the fact that Cain bothered to give you know you read the chapter don't you? And you think, okay, at the beginning of the Bible, what are we are going to get? We're going to get a story. And we're going to get a story, a real account, but a story of one brother who gives to the Lord and the other brother who doesn't. Right? That's what we expect. But that's not what happens. Abel gives. But Cain also gives. Friend, The lesson here is that you can give anything to God and you can still not be right with him. You know, you can lead a great life, a good life. And you can be seeking to be kind and generous to your fellow man. You can be passionate about that. And you can give money to the church and you can give time to the church and you can give money and time and energy to charity. But you see, if your heart is not right with God, then what God's living word tells us is both you and your offering will be ultimately rejected. The lesson is that we must all be born again in Jesus Christ. Now, I've said a couple of times, banging on about my holiday in France, okay? And uh, I came back, and I've already said that I was uh, kind of surprised by the reaction about this royal baby. But the other thing that kind of shocked me and my wife was the weather that you folks have been enjoying. You know, I spend all this time going to the south of France searching for the sun, and I might as well have stayed put at Home, the weather you guys have been enjoying has been incredible. But that changed, didn't it? And it changed on Tuesday morning. Certainly with us out in Woodford, there were sort of torrential eh, thunderstorms and lightning and a whole works, the whole shebang. Well, probably because my wife and I are a wee bit eh, wicked. Eh, what we did was we went, found ourselves staring out the window at all these poor commuters. Who were trying to battle the storm and making their way to Woodford, a train station, and boy, they were getting soaked. And what what surprised us the most was there was these three guys, you know, and they were walking sort of individually in the tube station, and you know, surely they had heard the thunder that had been going on for hours, and surely they'd seen the lightning, they'd heard the rain. But in this break of the the storm, what they'd done is they thought it would be really wise to walk to work in shirt sleeves and not to take an umbrella. And they were getting soaked. They hadn't taken a jacket to work. Eh, A schoolboy, schoolboy error. They'd ignored the obvious warning. And there's a similar thing that happens here in Cain's crime. His crime. Because what happens? We've seen that God rejects Cain and he rejects his offering, but what happens then? Well, in the aftermath, one of the things that happens is that God speaks to Cain and he gives him a choice. And it's a choice that contains a warning and it's a warning that Cain and his foolishness completely ignore. So what's the choice? Do you see it? God says that Cain can either have a change of heart and be accepted by God or... Now, this is the second part of the choice. Get this. God says that Cain can either be accepted or he can continue down this wicked path. And if he does that, God warns him that sin will be victorious in his life. Sin will be victorious in his life. And there's two things here that God says about sin. Okay, now these, because it's from God, these are two things that we must listen to, take note of, and let shape our life. Two things God says about sin. Are you ready for them? The first thing God says about sin, the first warning he gives, is that sin lies in wait. You've got that sin lies in wheat. Now, in Scripture, there are a, a few verses here and there that are a nightmare, let's say, for translators. And there is here a phrase that gives sort of commentators and translators migraine after migraine. Okay, so the difficult expression is in verse 7. Let's see if you can see it. In verse 7, it's a phrase, God says, sin is crouching at your door. Does that sound like an odd expression? Sin is crouching at your door. Now, it might be, it is a difficult phrase for translators. But the meaning of the phrase is beyond doubt. The phrase comes from the idea of a dangerous animal. Let's think, I don't know, tiger, lion. The idea of a dangerous animal waiting at the entrance to a shelter. You know, there's this, in that phrase, sin is crouching at your door, there's an idea of risk. There's a, that sense of anxiety. There's worry. This beast, the beast might be awoken at any time. So, folks, do you see what God is saying? Do you see what he's saying to Cain? Cain. But do you see what he's saying to you this morning? He's saying, Cain, repent. Repent of your sin. Because if you don't do that, your sin, your wickedness, is going to pounce. It will seize you, and it will devour you. So that's the first thing God says. The second thing, There's two aspects, two warnings here about sin. The second thing here is that sin, it seeks to enslave, sorry, it seeks to expand and enslave us. It seeks to expand and enslave us. And again, it's verse 7. God says to Cain that sin desires to have us. So there's that idea. What we've got there is God warning, sin that, warning Cain that sin seeks to dominate us in some way. Sin seeks to grow and expand and master us and rule us. And really, to be honest, that idea of sin expanding, the expansion of sin, that is the, the, the message of this whole part of Genesis. Like, think about it you know your Bible thing? Was, there was Adam and Eve. They started out with a you know, rebellion. And then it grows sin. And it grows into Cain. And Cain doesn't show any remorse. He's different from Adam and Eve. With him sin is worse. It's harder. And then what happens? What comes next? What do we read at the end of the chapter? We read about Lamech. Sin has grown again. Lamech says if Cain is avenged seven times. Then Lamech, 77 times, sin grows and it seeks to expand. And just think of Cain as an example of that. Think about this guy we're talking about today. He started out and has just been superficial worship. But what happens? That grows into anger. Then it grows again. It grows into a jealousy and then what happens then we've got a guy taking his own brother his own brother out into a field and slaying him butchering him, murdering him friend is there obvious sin in your life is there is there Is there sin that you're not addressing? Is there sin that you're sort of thinking, well, it's sin, I know that, but it's not harming anyone all that much. Don't be a fool. Don't underestimate your sin. It is crouching at your door. It seeks to devour you. It seeks to master you. So turn to Christ. And we end just with a third thing. We end with Cain's curse. Now, I've talked about Nancy, haven't I? We've talked and we've prayed about Nancy. This is a woman, a Christian woman who died this week. She's known to an awful lot of you in the congregation. Now, I had the opportunity a few times to speak with this woman. Just before she died. Do you know what was amazing? Nancy wasn't scared. You know, here was a woman and she was literally on her deathbed. And there wasn't anxiety. There wasn't fear. There was peace. Peace, she said, that came from God. Now keep that in mind. Because I'm just going to give you just now three just bullet points. I'm just going to make mention of three aspects of this punishment, this curse that God laid upon Cain. Three punishments. The first one is that Cain is made to wander the earth, isn't he? He's made to, that seems odd. And to be honest, you might be thinking, that doesn't sound fair. Here's here's a... Here's a dude, here's a guy that has murdered his own brother. know. all God does is he turns him into a traveller. He makes him wander the earth. Is that what you're thinking? Well, don't. Verse 2 says, it tells us that Cain worked the soil. That's what it says. Cain worked the soil. You see, that was who he was. That was... Everything about this guy, Cain worked the land. He worked the soil, and now things have changed. Now that land is going to resist him. It's, he is not going to yield any plants for him. He is just going to have to wander the earth. Do you see the point? Sin strips us of our identity. Sin it strips us of. Who we are meant to be. Sin strips us of the very purpose that God has for us in our life. What's that purpose? To bring glory and to bring honour and praise to his holy name. So he's made to wander the earth. The second thing is that he is further excluded from God's presence. You saw that, didn't you? Now we've said in Chapter 3, Adam and Eve were chucked out of Eden, weren't they? They were banished. Well, what we've got here is a further extension of that. Because Cain shows no remorse, he's thrown even further away from God. He's thrown even further into the wilderness. And he might be unrepentant, and he might be steeped in sin. But he still sees that that is a terrible thing. Look what he says. He says, my punishment, God, is more than I can bear. I will be hidden from your presence. Friend, have you come here this morning? Unrepentant. Have you? Well, if so, see here that your sin it imparts distance. It puts distance between you and God. And that is a most terrible and a most awful thing. And I end with this. The third aspect of the punishment. This is where we finish. This is where we end. Get this. It was a punishment that was mixed with mercy, wasn't it? It was a punishment mixed with mercy. You see, I mentioned Nancy. But Cain was different to her, wasn't he? Cain was petrified in the face of death. He thought that as he wandered the earth that he would get what he deserved. He thought what would happen was somebody would find him and somebody would kill him. But what does God do? God acts, and in some way we're not privy to, God marks Cain. He prevents him. He prevents him from being killed. Even in the midst of these punishments and this curse, we see God's merciful hand. We see his grace. Friend, again, I, I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know why you're here this morning. But hear this, we are all sinners. We all deserve that exclusion that Cain got. We deserve everlasting death. And yet, what has God done? Let me tell you what God has done. Where in Genesis 4, Cain has provided an inappropriate offering. Now, God has acted and he has provided a holy and a perfect and a blood-filled offering. Where in Genesis 4, Abel's blood cries out from the ground. And it cries out in vengeance. We are told in Hebrews. That Christ's blood also cries out from the ground. But it cries out a better cry than Abel's. It cries out the way of salvation. So friend, this week, what is it? It's a week for firstborn sons. There's been this royal baby. And there's Daniel McDonald. Why don't you make this week a week where you accept God's firstborn son? Why don't you accept his one, his only son, Jesus Christ, as the Lord and the saviour of your life? I urge you to do that. Let's pray.